Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. We're in a different environment today. We're at home. We're at home, but in a different streaming environment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're using uh, another platform. Yeah. You know what? In the end, we're doing the same. The thing story is the story. We're, we're from home. I'm just wondering if it has different ports than, <laughs> than the other one. One is a desktop app, the other one's a web app. I don't know. So you never, who knows? I yeah, never scanned. I, <laughs> Let's do a quick scan. I, I never or maybe, scanned. Maybe our guest already scanned for us and he knows the answer. <laughs> oh, we're scanning everything. I'm sure you are. Well, what what just, was that stat? The, the, the whole internet gets scanned 10 times a minute or something? Somebody said the other day, Marco. Who said that? I don't remember. I don't remember that. I don't know. But one, of those, one of those 10 every minute is Chris, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure one of us lost. <laughs> Well, Chris is one of those in his company that does that. And then there is the other 99% of people that doesn't even know what uh, what such scan is. Right. And they don't know, scan, shouldn't. Scan have wet, to. port wet. <laughs> exactly. They shouldn't exactly. have to. They have a different job. They do, they do have a job. And the, the fact is they, they go from home to the job, sometimes do the job from home. And the security team sitting at home, uh, when they hear some of the numbers our guest is going to present today, they're going to go, what? We, we would no never way. let that happen inside our own data center or on premises or even in our cloud. Why are we letting, why are we letting important people that work for us do that? Well, we, we sure going to go through some really impressive number and we're going to do that with our friend, Chris Pearson from black cloak. Hey, Chris. There he is. Hey. hey, Sean. Hey, Marco. It's great to see you guys. Stop scanning oh, for a minute and have a chat with us, would you? We're turning, we're turning <laughs> off all all scanning engines. All, sc- all right, and and this stop, is a podcast, stop posting. But... Stop posting to Marco's MySpace. This is a this is a podcast, but you must envision that probably as we are looking at Chris and on our video chat, it probably has sixty five monitors in front of him, and <laughs> everything right. is under control. Uh, we're def- we're definitely definitely pumping up the power to the grid. <laughs> All right, so Sean, there is a there is a new report. There is, there is, and it's all about it will, a good report has numbers, but there uh, the, a great report has a story with the numbers, and uh, my impression is this has both. It's quantifying the business need for digital executive protection, and uh, Chris and team uh, evaluated a number of things and. Uh, and came up with some some figures that individually would make you scratch your head. As I noted earlier, uh, CISOs and security leaders and practitioners might be screaming when they hear some of these. We, we won't hear them, um, but some some might scream. And uh, but when you put them together, that's that's when it gets really interesting. So, Chris, what was the um, what was the driver for this? Obviously, you see a lot of this information anecdotally. Um, or individually, individual clients and companies you work with, and you you probably had a lot of this in your head. Going, this 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 is 
obvious to us, but strange that that it's so prevalent. So what was the catalyst behind doing the report to, to kind of bring some of this together? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You, unlike, the, you know, there's survey data where you just say, hey, what is going on? What are you doing? What are you using? And the, and the strength or weakness of that data is really up in the air. It might be your clients, might not be your clients, might be relevant, might not be. Um, and then there's right kind of the, well, what do you think it is? And uh, I think it's probably worse than we thought it was. And then there's actual grabbing in the real raw data and statistics from actual corporate executives in our case. And so what we're able to do and our research team was able to do is actually analyze the aggregate level data that we have on just how biz, how, how bad is it in terms of the executive's footprint in terms of their digital lives? Like what is what are the real risks that are out there and how large is it for people that we onboard? So literally at time one or before they're coming on board, we're taking a look at what's happening. And then as soon as we're there, what do we see? And, and, the, and really it was a, let's get real numbers on real actionable items, no more conjecture, no more puff. Let's actually talk about real stats from real executives, from real Fortune 1000 companies. Let's do that. And, and the data is, um, yeah, I mean, the data sh shines a light on a lot of things we need to talk about. Well, in order to calculate risk, you have to have visibility into some stuff. <laughs> so let's, let's start there because um, there are things we can look at within an organization and security teams are well-positioned and well-trained to know what those things are. Um, a lot of them carry over to the executives home workplace and even their own home personal space uh, in relation to the internet. Um, what are the things that matter in that environment that yeah. are a one-to-one -to, -one to the business, but maybe maybe some things that may not be a, an obvious parallel for folks to think about? So let's just start with like, uh, you know, the four walls of the company, penetration test externally, right? Into the company's uh, jewels, uh, Companies crown jewels into their data, into their into their cloud infrastructure, whatever. On the penetration side test for the business, fine, we all get it. How about the homes? The homes are actually living, breathing entities. The amount of equipment, you know, cameras, smart home systems, the fire, the they have business fire, uh, firewalls and routers in their homes and all the rest. So the patching and cadences, all the rest are the same and on par with businesses. Um, so there's one one thing there that's, you know, hey, can you actually get in from the outside into that environment? Another one would be, look, just the personal privacy. So can you actually reach out and dial the CEO's phone number at work? Well, can you reach out and dial the CEO's home number or the spouse significant other or their mobile cell phone numbers and literally be on the phone with them? in a way where you can scam them, you can extort them, you can fraud them, you could gain or glean something. There's interesting things there in terms of the data that's out there. The other thing is just like on the inside of the company, hey, do you have active malware on one or more devices, servers, all the rest? The same, same thing in terms of the other people. You know, newsflash, executives do have personal lives. They're just inextricably intertwined with the company, but they are personal devices, all the same risks, no team to back them up, no corporate solutions on those devices and left wide open. And so, you know, really, and, and, and also maybe just how about like online or uh, uh, account behavior, let's just say, 
at work, it's a, hey, everyone's got to have dual factor, for example, uh, right? We got to be through and through, single sign-on dual factor. Um, maybe it's a hardware token, whatever. What about their personal lives? They same, same thing. Their personal Gmail account is a treasure trove. Tells everything about them, the husband, wife, spouse, kids, significant other. It's the same password they're using there as they are on their LinkedIn. And then the same password they're using in at the company with just an exclamation mark or a hyphen somewhere in there. So I think those are some things where it's like a lot of parallels, a lot of similar ways or thoughts about attacking them. And as a result, the data exposure there, now that's where that's where it gets interesting. The data exposure on the inside of the company is going to be dramatically less. You got the CISO, you got the team to back them up, you got the right things. <laughs> on the home environment, same risks, you got nothing. So it's kind of like you lock the door, but you leave the window open, right? So we're talking about there is a, the, the risk for the home, but then it trickle into the business in the in the company, and then it affect the business itself. So absolutely, drop some numbers, please, because I I, I leave you the honor to do that. Because uh, when I saw it, <laughs> I was like, no, there gotta be a mistake here. Yeah, I'll you, you know what, what? Let's do that. Let me let me give you one number. This one this one's just earth shattering um, because you could literally picture yourself as the CISO, and let's just say you had a hundred remote locations. And you're there before the board and says, hey, how did all the pen tests go? And you say, well, we were able to get into 23 out of 100 of locations. Like literally some person was able to get out on the Wi-Fi network, whatever, we were able to get in. Um, you'd probably be be brushing up the resume, be doing a lot more LinkedIn posts, all the rest really quickly. It was the intern. Um, the intern. You, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, guess what? 23% of the executives onboarded to Black Cloak have open ports on their home network. And out of that total 100, so right, 23 of those homes wide open. Out of those, right, out of that whole 100, 20 of them, a team is able to get into 100%, own the entire network, the whole thing. I think I might've told the story before, but you know, team just went ahead and popped an entire home, 30,000 square foot home for an executive at a major financial institution. Got in through the uh, uh, I was going to say the name of it, but the internet connected piano. It's one of those like that you see at a four season, something where the keys move up and down and they're, and they, you can program them. So they play music like at dinner parties um, and, and such like that. I'm sure you both have some that are playing at your dinner parties. Um, look, home footprint got in through the internet connected piano. I'm sure it's a great piano, but you know, brought a lot of pleasure and joy to them. Probably brought a lot of pleasure and joy to some other cyber criminals. Probably bought a lot, brought a lot of heartache. Actually, we affirmatively know it brought heartache to the CISO in terms of, oh my God, it was on the other side of the firewall. <laughs> oh my God, we did, we, we suggested the right people, suggested the right this, suggested the right that. Thank you for the kind of double check. But 23%, big, big first number, 23% wide open ports. That, and so let's be clear because you, you said 23% wide open ports, access and control. Yep. Nothing special required there. Yep, right. out of that, out of those twenty-three, you know, kind of homes executives, uh, out of that twenty-three, we were able to get into twenty of them. Twenty of them, okay. And it could be default passwords. It could be unpatched. It could be credentials. It could be wrong setups. It could be direct port to port. Number of different things. Usually, it's through security cameras, smart yep. home systems like Crestron, Savant. Not the actual, another one of the systems. It's it's just how they're implemented. They weren't done securely. Firewalls and routers that are professional, but they're not updated. They're not patched. They're not correctly configured. Um, and then some other issues as well. But I mean, like, like the, I don't, well, we don't have a piano is not the leading one for us, but I mean, once again, meaningful, meaningful yep. way in. 
Yep. Funny story. Like, I have a piano that plays like that, but it's a ghost. It's not actually connected to the internet. <laughs> and it plays through the record player. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Now, the, the reason I was wondering about that, because not that malware is sophisticated, but it's another means to get control. This didn't, those didn't require any malware, but malware can be beneficial to a cyber criminal, a bad actor. And uh, I know, I know there's a stat on that because um, that, that that's more than just the network at that point, right? Yeah, at that point in time, at that point in time, you have that entire computer, perhaps you have that entire account, you have the accounts that are on it, you can right, really, you, you actually have the network, you can pivot to anything from there. Um, when we onboard, right, so all live real statistics, when our team onboards the executives, 27% of the time, it's almost, yeah, I mean, somewhere between a quarter and a third, 27% of the time, they have active malware on their device. We're not talking about, you know, yesteryears, you know, I, I love you bug from, you know, what was it, Melissa from uh, the worm from 2003. We're not talking about, you know, stuff that was at some point in time, there's an artifact. We're talking about live, actual malware on the computer. Um, they don't have time for it, uh, right? Too quick. It could be them, the husband, spouse, wife, you know, kids, significant other. There's that device that is in there. But that twenty-seven. They're they're people. <laughs> it, well, it, it is, and 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 you know what you're dealing with is the entire people. You're dealing with the entire family, also, right? It's not just the executives. You're dealing with the spouse, significant other, and all the rest. Sometimes working, sometimes not working. But that footprint is huge, and and it should not be twenty-seven percent. And it's. Yes, malware, ransomware, control the device, able to go ahead and you know be spam bots and send people Viagra and all the rest of these types of things. Yes, absolutely. But also, quite honestly, when you've got that foothold and you're able to traverse the, that network and traverse those devices, you may get the personal trust and estate information on that executive, right? Stuff they don't want to expose, stuff that could cause problems for them and their familial unit, and then take them off of off of track of running the company. Because now they're dealing with why aren't I taking over the kids if you were to die or whatever? Why so and so doing it? Why am I out of the will? Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Financial information. A number of companies have had doxing issues, have had executives targeted on it. And look, at the end of the day, personal, private, family pictures, moments, all the rest. Once you have malware, you get a foothold. So a uh, super scary number. Should be, should be, it's going to be higher than it should, it, it should be but it should not have been that high and shouldn't be that high. I suspect it's not that high in the company. <laughs> uh, we, we, we really, really hope not. Uh, once again, a career ending, if it was career ending for the, for that, uh, uh, CISO. But I mean, as you, as you go out there or you go to Amazon and you're like, Oh, that that's cute. I'm going to need a piano to play by itself. I need a vacuum cleaner. I need a, whatever it is. And you put it in there with zero knowledge. But, you know, if you're going to try to do it in the company, they're going to be like, no, nah, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, but at the same time, we, we can't go and tell to the to the, the C-level person for their family or their kids to say, hey, you can't do that. And like, who the hell are you to tell me that? So, you know, yeah. how are we handling this? I mean, these are people that I'm, I'm reading a number here about password that I'm not surprised that eight percent no only have multi-factor authentication so if you if you don't even understand that how do you care about a camera that it's going to lick <laughs> yeah that one's um uh that one was an earth-shattering number um these are let, let's define our population 
corporate executives, board of directors, C-suite, executive leadership team, key personnel. These are people that have VIP tech support inside the four walls of the company that sometimes will get the cybersecurity education you know, training read to them, shown to them. They sit with someone. It is absolutely concierge on the inside of the company. They are the CISO and the teams do an amazing job. So they know, right? They know they have a basis of understanding of what things should look like. They know. Yet in their personal lives, it's like you remember, Marco, you remember when you were young and your mom says, Hey, if you eat like that at the table when you go out to the restaurant, you're gonna eat like that too. And I'm not going out with you if you're gonna do that. Well, it's the inverse. It's the inverse, right? It's like they're behaving, you know, forced to behave well at the company, but it's like they go back in at, at home and it's sloppy. 8% multi-factor, and we count multi-factor as SMS authentication, right? Just not username and password. So it's anything. It'd be multi-factor through SMS, through an authenticator, a hardware authenticator, an actual physical token, any one of those count. Um, 8%, this means their personal Gmail account, means their LinkedIn account. They're, the companies, when the social media takeovers occur, which we have had, we've had WhatsApp taken over, we've had LinkedIn and Twitter and feeds and all the rest taken over and held hostage. When those happen, the company is the one that general counsel spun up, HR spun up, CISO spun up. Those are huge issues and they can, all of them, every single one of our account takeovers, every single one could have been prevented through multi-factor authentication that is inherent within the actual app environment themselves, within the actual capabilities, whatever it is they're doing. Um, Let me read scary. this. Let me read this. 68% write down their password on personal notebooks or store them in their contacts list on their phone. It well, the reminds me, my grandmother used to hide the keys under the mat in front of the door. Oh. <laughs> um, so on, take it. You go to you go to the contest list, and actually, literally, there's an entry for passwords on their phone in their contacts. We'll talk <laughs> iPhone because most people are going to be on that. Just go to contacts, you go to password, and it has a little string of all the username is going to be their email address, and it literally has you know Delta password, Four Seasons password, Gmail password, all right there. Sometimes it's just a few; it's like three of them because they rotate them and they just try them each until they log in. Um, but it is absolutely uncanny. You're literally talking two thirds of corporate executives that are in the fortune 1000. We have actual knowledge, not self-reported actual knowledge. We've seen it. We witness it in their contact list or being written down in their little black book. And uh, I don't know when uh, part of me and maybe part of those uh, minds of people listening are thinking, well, what the heck is going on? And it's, it's about, education right i know marco you and i have had this conversation around the culture of security in the business and and transferring that to the home and i mean that, that's basically what we're talking about here right i mean it, it it's, is it's it's not a slap against them that that no we're, they're we're not making fun they're of ignorant them. or yeah it's not not a, yeah we're not making fun it's it's just a matter of an understanding and maybe some help to say well, that port doesn't right. need to be open that well, piano, super cool. Even yeah. in the in the in your executive office, great. Bring it in. But this is what we're going to do to protect it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the cool thing, um, right? Executives are all interested in the topic of cybersecurity. They all want to do good cyber hygiene in the inside of the company, because sometimes answers in terms of personal life are at no, you can't do that. You can't do this. Can't do this. Can't do that. Right? That all is is their personal life. They can do whatever they want to. What I really need to do is have that shim. It's like 
it's like, you know, you don't have a company doctor, a doctor hired by the company that goes ahead and does your physicals and stuff like that. You get your own person, um, right? They'll talk to you. They'll help you. They are there. Same thing in terms of your finances. The CFO doesn't go, you know, deal with all your personal investments and 401k and stuff like that. You've got your person. You've got your concierge person that's going to go and take care of your financial health, your physical health. And, and same thing in the cyber health side. It has to be an enabling them to get to success with them using the technology that they want to, how they want to do it. If they want a LinkedIn, if they want to tweet, if they want to TikTok, if they want to have Amazon Alexas in, in every single room, including the bathroom, those are the decisions. It's only about making sure that they can't be penetrated from a hacking perspective, a privacy perspective, and taking advantage of their take corporate secrets being taken intellectual property or using it as a jumping off point for the corporate laptop, which is inside the home or back into the actual company itself. It's like, you guys remember back in, you know, LinkedIn, uh, that was what, you know, the, the main, main avenue of import in there was a web server that was being run on an individual's personal home, bounced around from one computer to another, got into the corporate computer and then into the actual accounts there. I mean, you, you, you have to be able to think a little more broadly there. And that that personal space and personal life aspect of it is is huge. It's enormous, and and you can't go ahead and whack a mole with corporate uh, security. It's got to be a little bit of a different partnership. You know, I mean, you you said something, and we talked about this before. Like, you know, the, the CISO can't invite the privacy. There are limits. There are boundaries between the company and private life. But you also say, you know, like you don't hire their doctor; they hire their own. And if they have a problem, they go to the doctor. So if the car break, they don't need to know how to fix it. They'll like, well, screw it. Let's call, let's go to the dealer. They'll give me a loaner and I'm going to drive another BMW or Mercedes or whatever it is that they drive. Right? So the solution here is, I don't think they're going to ever going to really worry about that. They're not going to become their own IT, right? Yeah. Their own security. So you don't want this to. is, this is where, you know, black clock come into place. So some example of how you take that role yeah so think about it i'll, I'll give you an example <laughs> so think about it this way is the ciso the cybersecurity team sometimes the chief security officer from an executive protection perspective they are responsible for the four walls of the company what happens in and on corporate devices corporate email all the rest the fact of the matter is is that what happens in the other 12 hours of the day it's a soft underbelly of the company soft, soft underbelly from an attack pers uh, a service perspective but you can't use corporate personnel to solve it. Privacy, legal risks, also quite honestly, right? Company resources for personal life, not good. They've done this before. They've done this on healthcare with the Mayo Clinic concierge physicals. They've done it in terms of travel protection, uh, right? Physical travel protection and error evacuation, emergency protection and stuff like that. All benefits and items that actually make sure that the executive is protected. Therefore, the company is protected. Therefore, the family is protected but it's done separately and by a separate group that is only focused on that. And as a result, has different tools available, has different thresholds available, and is able to be that personal private concierge. Um, it's a, you know, the example of the wealth management. You don't really walk into the CFO's office and, hey, I want to talk to you about how much money I lost my 401k. Can you help me analyze and assess? Like, he's like, no. He's like, how many 401ks? What's your average? What's your, you know, how much money do you have? What's this? Are you Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen No, it's not that it works business. But you do go to your, your wealth manager, your private wealth manager. You do go to them and, and you do have that conversation of, let me tell you everything that's going on 
so you can help make sure I'm on the road to financial success. Same thing in terms of cyber, same thing as in terms of digital executive protection. Protect the executive in their personal life, privacy, devices, home, peace of mind. You, the CISO, gain the benefit from that. You offboard the, my gosh, the pain, um, offboard that pain. And you also get insight and visibility at an aggregate level. No data whatsoever, no details whatsoever that are specific to any one person. You get that aggregate data so you know that things are being taken care of and that that attack surface has been shrunk. And the report, I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised the numbers are as high as they are in some areas. I mean, quite honestly, but that's a great thing. All real data from real items, real incidents, real tickets have been created to correct things as opposed to self-reported data. And it's, it's uh, we got to we gotta solve it. There's a path forward. There are solutions, right? There is a solution to this, this path forward. Um, it can be solved. And, and uh, absolutely, especially in this day and age uh, of where everyone is remote work, everyone's working more from home, regardless of your internal policies. And so as a result, your personal devices are going to be more accessible, more there in that home network and all the rest. So, yeah. Yeah. Great, great points, Chris. And I'll make a couple points as we wrap here, which um, I mean, just using the wealth management one, I can imagine wealthy people, they don't go in and say, help me protect my money from getting stolen. That's not the conversation they go into a wealth management meeting with. It's how do I at least maintain what I have and grow it to some level of aggressiveness based on their their appetite for for risk. And and then in behind the scenes, it's about managing the risk to allow that growth to happen and to ensure that that some level is maintained. I, I think there's a, a parallel there for this as well. Um, so recognize that you want to succeed in business and succeed as a family. And uh, that includes somebody helping you ma manage the risk. And the, the other point I want to make is that uh, while the numbers show that a lot of the people and environments have challenges to overcome, still some might say, well, I think I'm in pretty good shape yeah. and, and have, uh, have a view of, of being exempt from this world of, of uh, potential pain. And there's one more data point in the report, which that uh, speaks to the, uh, the data brokers having information on, on folks. And let's just say if somebody wants to know who you are and where you are and what you have and find those open ports, uh, the data is here to show that that can happen. <laughs> The data, the data, look, there's no, there's no hiding. There's no security through obscurity. Executives are in plain sight. 99% of their information pure up on data broker websites. The only reason it's actually hundred percent, but I mean, we have that one little 99.9 yeah. uh, in there. And then 40% of their IP addresses publicly available. You can reach out to touch four out of 10 corporate executives without doing any reconnaissance, special phishing or all the rest. It is scary. Here's the cool thing. Because it shouldn't be all, it, it, here's the cool, coolest thing ever, is it can all be solved. This risk can be absolutely solved and done correctly. It can start on day one and you see immediate returns. It can be solved. It can be controlled. Um, we don't have to stick our heads in the sand anymore. We can actually tackle it and gain some meaningful risk mitigation, not only to the executive and their family, but also back into the company. So I, I would say executives, leadership teams, and especially security leaders, that includes you CISOs, CISOs 
uh, get your hands on this report so you have a view of what your executives and and uh, high profile uh, employees uh, might be facing that have an impact on your own organization and operations. And come talk to us. We'll be uh, yeah. you know we'll be we'll have some of the researchers there at the Black Hat conference and stuff to talk about this report and some more findings. I mean, come talk to us. Uh, uh, you know, read download the report, read the report. Yeah. So, uh, so you're going to be a black hat. I know you were at RSA conference. We had some conversation with you. Uh, how can people get in touch with you there? Yeah, look, we will have, so first of all, we'll be there. We'll have a booth. We'll have a presence. We're going to have a bunch of people there. Second, some of the researchers that actually wrote, did the research for this report, authored, they're actually going to be there in person. So meet with us. We're going to have a lot of things going on. And as you guys know, I mean, look, um, you know, cybersecurity is a human sport. Being there and having the people there, the former, you know, I was former CISO, Having the CISOs, the community there, being able to talk and chat and the threat uh, folks that are there and the SOC people that are there. That's what it's all about in terms of all those communities. So really, really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. Sounds great. Yep. Sounds great. I, likewise. And, and Chris, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, it's great to see that uh, not only is the company growing and succeeding, but you have information like this to help help others learn more about what some of these challenges are and how, how you and your, your team can help them. So I'm interested to meet some of the researchers that saw the, the sticky notes with passwords firsthand. Oh gosh, we got stories. Yes. <laughs> All right, thank you, Chris. Take care. All right, so everybody listening, there'll be show notes, a link to the reports and, uh, and how to connect with Chris and the team at Black Cloak. Stay tuned for more. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and this story made you think, then share ITSBMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.